going on, everybody? This is Stompy. I'm here with Ethan Turner and John McGlynn. Uh, and we are doing our first ever Superflex Super Show live mailbag as part of our revamped schedule for the Superflex Super Show. We're going five days a week. Um, you've probably heard the first two of the week already with John and Brian in um, in with the waiver wire show. I don't remember who was on yesterday. Regardless, Brian, I think wasn't Brian on yesterday. Was it, was it Brian and John again? Probably. Yeah. John likes to hear himself talk. <laughs> John Hogue. That is not McGlynn. I like McGlynn. John Hogue can. <laughs> yeah. We gotta, we gotta really find a, we gotta find a way to, to distinguish you two. Cause we say John and then I get confused. Well, I'm just going to call, John McGlynn, smart John, and John Hogue, dumb John. I mean, I think that makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> Works for me. Anyway, so I'm excited to get this started. We'll be here for about 45 minutes to an hour. Um, so with that, I wanted to get your guys' reactions for week one. Kind of a wild week. What did you guys think? Uh, it was wild. Uh, you're... Lamar Jackson surprised everyone. It was, uh, you know, even though you expected good things from Lamar Jackson or big things, I don't think anybody expected that. It was, uh, I mean, I'm a Dolphins fan. It was kind of rough. I, I knew going into season they, they, that they took apart every part of the possible team that could be sold, uh, minus Minka Fitzpatrick and uh, the cornerback. But there's uh, nobody could have expected that the outcome of that game. Five touchdowns, 300-some yards. It, that was ridiculous. So, um I'm happy for him. I always root for the underdog. I don't want to see anybody fail in this league. And when 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 there's a young player that's that that everybody kind of doubts coming in and calls him a runner and just a running back, and even him on stage said, "I'm just a run, you know, not too bad for a running back." I like to see him taking shots back every once in a while and say, "I could do this." So it was uh, it was fun to watch that. Um, it just uh, yes, same thing with the running backs. Austin Eckler surprised some people. Uh, Derrick Henry had a couple long runs. Uh, the receivers, it was Sammy Watkins, Deshaun Jackson, John Ross, Marcus Brown. A lot of young receivers, a lot of long plays. I mean, I guess Deshaun Jackson is not considered young, but a lot of long plays, <laughs> a lot of uh, – <laughs> He's young at heart, man. Yeah, he's fast guy, like he's young. He's still fast. That's all you a, need. Yeah. It's, ama it's amazing watching the plays from his past and the plays that he's got going on now. Uh, he looks the same as he did when he was 23. It's, it's, I don't know. You can't teach speed, and he's not losing it. I don't know how he does it. What about you, Ethan? Yeah, you know, I thought it was I thought it was just a wacky first week. Um, I thought it, it definitely confirmed some of the things that I thought going into the season um, a little bit with especially with needing running backs that are studs at the start of your drafts and basically piecemealing together quarterbacks. I mean, you're talking Andy Dalton led the led the league in passing yards this week. So I just think that it was one of those things where, I mean, if you just look at the top five, you've got Dalton, Pre uh, Prescott, Stafford, Keenum, and then Mahomes. So if you waited on quarterback, this was like a perfect week to do it. Um, rushing leaders, two of the top three were McCaffrey and Barkley. So I mean, this was pretty much textbook of what I thought going into the year, which was that you needed to load up on stud running backs and then fill out your quarterbacks and receivers later in the drafts. I mean, John Ross was basically free. Uh, you, I picked up um, <laughs> who may be a flash in the pan, maybe not, but I mean, I know that Marquise Brown was sitting on a lot of my benches this week, but the fact that I have him makes me feel a lot better going into the rest of the year. So um, you know, Sammy Watkins, another guy that you could have gotten the eighth, ninth round of, of startup drafts and, and, uh, and redraft this year that, I mean, now he's looking at possibly a top 12 wide receiver for the first half of the season, most likely with Tyree kill being, being hurt. So I think that this first week, um, is reinforcing some of the things that I thought going into the, my drafts this year, which is always a good feeling because that just means that I was on the right track. So it was it was good. Uh, Lamar Jackson is uh, he is a freak. So I was on the Lamar Jackson train too. So I uh, I'm I'm happy that he can throw the football too, which he could do. I yeah. don't know. Think that that was ever the question was could he do it consistently? So I think we'll have to see. I hope he does because he's fun to watch. He's one of my favorite quarterbacks to watch play football. So. Uh, definitely excited about how the first week went for him. 
Uh, yeah, I mean, there was a lot of unsustainable performances this week. I mean, you brought up Marquise Brown, 12 snaps, caught four or five targets for 147 yards and two touchdowns. Obviously very unsustainable. I mean, he's an electric, <laughs> I'm going to, I'm going to upset, uh, dumb John here, but he's an electric playmaker. I mean, that's what he was in college. That what That's what he is in the pros, but you can't expect that week in week out. And I even even I as a Lamar Jackson truther cannot expect Lamar Jackson to throw for twenty. I mean, complete seventeen of twenty for three hundred and twenty-four yards and five touchdowns. That's just not going to happen. Plus, he only ran the ball for three three times for six yards. It's just that's just not how he plays. Um, so yeah, I mean, uh, this is kind of this was one of those weeks where everybody's going to overreact. Uh, I see Peter Howard's in the chat right now, and he's probably. Wanting to take a victory lap on carry on Johnson. Um, but uh, there's just, there's a lot of players that um, you can't overreact on, on week one uh, because a lot of that stuff, it was super unstable. Uh, or did I say P- Peter Howard? Sorry. <laughs> or Peter Howdy. Um, but, uh, but well, yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. You just, just temper expectations when it comes to some of these big guys. Um so, or these these performances. Is. So uh, before we dive into our mailbag, um, I want to uh, intro you to Commission Impossible. A legend, legendary league commissioners, Ryan McDowell and Scott Fish, explore the ins and outs of running fantasy leagues. They share their vast experiences, discuss innovative league ideas and formats, and help elevate the game to a whole new level. You can find Commission Impossible on the DLF uh, family of podcasts. So let's get into our mailbag for tonight. <laughs> the first uh, question on here is about dot versus yards after catch. Uh, John O'Hogue and I have been having a discussion um, about this for the last week because we, we've been <laughs> going after Marcus Mariota for a while here. Marcus Mariota had a good game. He had even a great game, I will say. To be expected. Not to be, <laughs> uh, but but the argument is that he only threw for 248 yards and he only threw for 75 yards through the air. Um, and then John Hogue decided that he wanted to come after Lamar Jackson uh, because he had some deep throws. And <laughs> he wants me to explain that ADOT is a pa- pass catcher stat and using it as a QB stat to say that one QB is better than the other is foolish. I disagree. Um, what do you guys have to say about that? Go ahead, Ethan. I mean, I, 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 why can't it just be both? Why can't it just be? Um, I mean, I think it, it tells us a lot about where wide receivers are used in in the the systems that they're used in. I mean, if you're uh, a, a speed guy, your average depth to target should be further down the field. Otherwise, you know, you're obviously not being used as a speed guy. Um, I think for quarterbacks, I think it's useful in that it tells us a, a lot about what we can expect their ceilings to be. Um, is it a guy like, does Patrick Mahomes really need to have this massive average step of the target? I would say no, because he has talent around him that can turn a six yard throw into a 75 yard touchdown. So to me, it's, it's one of those stats that I think it, it tells us more about the offense that these players are running, um, are running in and less about their talent as a whole. I don't really use it too much when I'm evaluating players, just because I think it's, it's so scheme dependent that it, it really just depends on who is calling the plays for them and, and what the offense is supposed to be running through. So to me, it's, it's, it's a cool stat, but it's not one that I use a whole lot with my personal evaluations. No, I get it. It's, you know, it all depends on the talent around you. That's exactly what, you know, the definition of that is if you, you know, the average, average pass. So if you got a guy who's catching five passes for a hundred yards, 20 yards per, per catch, you know, now the average at the target, the same thing. It's if somebody's going to throw dink and dunk passes all day long and just they're throwing three yard passes, then they get Tariq Cohen who runs this 65 yards after that. You know, on every individual dink and dunk player, Deshaun Jackson, who goes out for every every catch he makes, is going to be a 65-yard bomb. You know, same with like Tyreek Hill. It, I'm not sure how big that that makes the quarterback, how that makes the quarterback any better, just because you got the the, the players around you that you get you're able to roll the dice with every week. Some guys don't have that luxury. Some te- some teams don't have the luxury of those those awesome playmakers. So 
I don't know if it, it's all, you can't, it's not one player doesn't make a team. You need all these guys together to, to, to complete the play. So. Fair, fair enough. Fair enough. We, that with that argument is not going to go away this year. John Hogue, just, just so you understand, it's not foolish. It's it, we're, we're going to keep arguing, but that's what we do. Um, we have a question in the chat here. Um, Super Dupa Flex was just offered Lindsay in a second for Eckler. Which do you prefer? I'm a I'm guessing this is Dynasty, but I'm not sure. We'll just go ahead and assume Dynasty. Ethan, what do you say? What do you think? I'm probably keeping Eckler right now, just because I I don't like where this uh, Melvin Gordon thing is heading. I really don't feel like he will play this year if things go the way that they're currently going and. I think the Eckler just – I play to win right now. So, I mean, Lindsey is a, a good pickup, but he's a smaller back. Um, we've seen Eckler be very productive when he's given the chance to be the guy. So, um, why, and with the Hunter Henry news coming out today with him being injured, I just think Eckler has even more value than he did in a week where he scored three touchdowns, if that's even possible. So, uh, to me, I, I would go with Eckler. Um, I think it's a fair trade, but for me personally right now, I'd rather have Eckler on my team and and try to win with him. Um, it's still early in the year. I don't imagine that he's tanking, so I would yeah. I would hold on to Eckler. This looks like a dynasty question because there's draft picks involved, so I'll go that way. Uh, yeah. There's uh, I, I don't think either one of these guys are game changer winners. Um, I am not a big Lindsey fan, but he looked pretty good the other night. Uh, he just makes things happen for a small guy. But with I mean, I think both of these guys are gonna be gone next year. I think they're both going to have replacements in the draft next year or traded. I don't. I, I'm. I'm. I think a second round pick is the difference in this trade for me. In in a redraft, obviously, I'd go Eckler this year over Lindsey. But in Dynasty, I think I'd take the Lindsey in the second pick for uh, just because I know I'm getting something pretty decent in the draft next year. Hopefully, it's a high second. Yeah, I. It, this is tough, or this is tough because. Lindsay is the pass catching back in uh, in Denver, but Denver looked atrocious on Monday night. Uh, I'm 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 not one like I said to react or overreact to one week and especially week one. But God, that offense looked terrible, and Eckler looked phenomenal, and he's going to be the main back in in San Diego or sorry in Los Angeles, and. I that's that's a valuable that's a valuable spot right now especially because Hunter Henry's probably gone for 4 to 6 weeks and Ethan we can talk about that here in a second. Mike Williams looks like he's going to be out for next week at the very least with a with a knee injury. So it seems like Eckler is going to be relied upon at least for the next few weeks uh to be kind of that dump down safety valve for Philip Rivers. So I'm as a Broncos fan, this hurts me, but I'm probably leaning Eckler right now too. So if it's, I think it, it really depends. If you're in a win now, I definitely think Eckler. Yes. Um, but if you're rebuilding, I think I'm going Lindsay in a, in the second. Agreed. Uh, we have another question here in the chat. Uh, PK Ripper asks, who do I flex this week? PPR Godwin or Smokey Brown or Manny Sanders. So John Smokey Brown, Mandy Sanders, or uh, Chris Godwin. I mean, that's kind of a layup question. I think Godwin's the go-to here. Uh, Smokey Brown is, uh, he's going to have some huge, huge, uh, you know, boomer bust weeks. And Emmanuel Sanders, I liked him, but uh, Flacco looked horrible the other night. I don't know what that's going to happen with that. Sanders can make things happen. And I, with Sanders' injury, I don't know what's – I hopefully he can keep sustaining and uh, staying on the field and making things happen, but I think that's a wild card. And I think anything you can get out of Manny Sanders in the first couple weeks is a bonus, but I'm not sure how long he's going to last with an you know, older guy with a foot injury like that. I think this is a layup with Godwin. Go yeah, I agree. I'm going with Godwin here. Um, I, I like Marquise Brown, and but I still feel like he's more of a best ball wide receiver than a guy that you can trust in your flex every week, unless you're really looking for like, to me, he's he's just not playing enough snaps. Now that could change this week, but he's coming off a foot injury as well. You got two guys that are both coming back from major foot slash calf injuries. Um, I think that while both those guys could put up big weeks, I think Godwin is the safest option. And um, I think that you got to go with the guy that's going to 
pretty much lock you in 10 points um, plus in a PPR. So for me, it's Godwin pretty, pretty handedly. Uh, I'm going to go a different direction here. I think it's actually John Brown. Uh, I'm writing my start sits right now. And John Brown is a start for me among wide receivers. And it's because of what he did in week one and what he does with those big arm quarterbacks. We we saw him with Joe Flacco. He was the wide receiver 18 in those first eight weeks before Lamar Jackson came in. And then he just set a quote-unquote record for the Buffalo Bills being the first ever Bill in his first game as a Bill to get 100 yards receiving. And he ha- he just posted the highest yards receiving in week one since Eric Moulds in 1999. He looks like maybe not a go-to wide receiver because Cole Beasley, I believe, had nine targets. But when you have Josh Allen and that big arm, he's going to go deep. And he plays the New York Giants this week, which they just gave up 405 yards through the air. Uh, including to, I I think it was 156 to Michael Gallup um, on a 11.7 A dot. And John Brown had 11.9 A dot in week one. I just think that New York, the New York Giants secondary is bad. And I think Smokey Brown is in for another big week this week. Okay. I'll be honest. Uh, I had no idea that we were talking about John Brown. I've never heard him called Smokey Brown, but yes, I'm sorry. This is my fault. Do you even football? I know it's my fault. I got him mixed up with Marquise Brown. I don't know why I I was like, man, I didn't know that people called. I thought that was Hollywood, but whatever. Uh, It doesn't change my vote for Godwin, but uh, now I know that Smokey Brown is John Brown. So I feel like an idiot for not knowing that. Um, We got another question in the chat. Is Rashad Penny droppable? We heard, we heard Brian Haar, I believe, on the first episode of this week on waivers talking about Rashad Penny being droppable. I don't know if I agree, but he made some compelling arguments. So is Rashad Penny droppable at this point? I say no, just because you you probably paid enough um, to make him. You have to hold on for, to him for at least a little while. Um, I think he's an, he's one of those guys that's an injury away. I've been a Chris Carson guy. For the last two years, um, everything they said before last year was that they loved Chris Carson, and then they showed it in the season. And then this year, the exact same thing. The argument was, oh, well, they spent a first on Rashad Penny, so at some point they're going to have to give him the rock. And then Pete Carroll was like, actually, I love Chris Carson still. Um, it just never made sense to me uh, why anyone was taking Rashad Penny where he was. So I don't have any of him, but I think – uh, based on where I've seen, I was seeing him go in drafts. You're probably going to have to hold on to him for at least a couple more weeks. Uh, at this point, you're hoping for a Chris Carson injury because he just looks good uh, pretty much everywhere. He didn't have a great running week last week, uh, but we have seen him put up good rushing stats before. And I think he had, I think Carson had six targets. So the fact that Penny's not even getting any work in the past game is really not a good sign. You know, a couple more weeks with the splits like this, uh, I could definitely make a good argument that that Penny is droppable. Well, this all depends on roster size for me. Um, if I'm looking at a, you know, an eight player starting lineup with maybe only six bench players. Yeah. He's droppable. If I'm in a 25 man roster, I I keep him around because he's, he's a nice handcuff. He, you know, if something goes wrong with Carson, he's got a huge injury history. Something goes wrong with Carson. You got a, a number one running back. I mean, uh, uh, probably a RB two for the rest of the season. Uh, Carson's been known to have these injuries. So I'm, I, if 25 man rosters, no small rosters. Yes. My issue for dropping Penny is he's one of those that one of those handcuffs that very easily, if Chris Carson goes down for some reason, can jump into RB one territory because of the volume that's in Seattle. He doesn't look great right now, but the amount of volume that he would get if Chris Carson went down is just phenomenal. And that's why I don't think he's droppable. I don't think he's as good as Chris Carson. And I'm I'm really happy to see Chris Carson get those six targets because a lot of people were doubting whether Schottenheimer was – you could believe Schottenheimer was going to give him 50 targets, and he looks like he's well on his way. But at this point, I don't think you can drop Penny unless there's another running back on that team 
which ProSize is always injured. He's more of a wide receiver anyway. J.D. McKissick's gone. Mike Davis is gone. Who else is there? So that's my issue is I get it. He's not what we thought he was. Sorry, Peter. But <laughs> at the same time, like he's just in a situation where one injury, he's one injury away from a ton of volume. Would you keep him or Mike Davis if you had a choice? I would probably keep Penny because Mike Davis – Mike Davis isn't that three-headed monster in Chicago. I mean, I a lot of people are thinking David Montgomery is going to take that backfield over. I don't think so. I think Mike Davis is always going to exist. Tariq Cohen's always going to exist. And I just think you want to avoid that situation this season. So it's Rashad Penny for me just because of that injury. And because I, I Chicago's offensive line is not nearly as good. Well, I, neither of them are good, but the volume exists for Penny. Not to turn it, not to turn it into the Mike Davis show, but I mean, he is literally a handcuff for two positions instead of one. Like he can, if if Cohen's out, he's got all yeah. the, he's got a lot of passing duties. So that's all I'm saying. Fair enough. Yeah, uh, but he's splitting. I mean, he's still splitting. I, I get what you're saying, and I think that right this minute, I would say that Mike Davis probably has more. Like if I if you needed a starter right this second. Um, he's probably going to put up enough numbers to put him in a flex more than I think Penny will be able to. But we've seen Chris Carson get hurt before. It's very possible with the amount of volume that they're giving him that he could get hurt again. I just feel like the upside is even if somebody gets hurt on in Chicago, Mike Davis's upside is still capped by the fact that there's three of them. If Chris Carson gets hurt, Richard Penny walks into 25 plus touches a game possibly. So yeah. I think that just from uh, uh, the, the number of, while I see Davis as a value for what he could be, if there was an injury, he's still really two injuries away from being what the Rashad volume Penny could be from yeah. a volume perspective uh, right. with just one. Right. And I think Chris Carson is more likely to get injured than Tariq Cohen and David Montgomery getting injured. Yeah, you're right. Um, all right. So on to a couple questions that we received on a, our Twitter thread uh, from Dave at Dave Cyril. That's S-I-R-R-E-L-L-E. Who will take over for Jameis Winston? <laughs> I think this is a bit facetious, but at the same time, I love it. <laughs> I don't even know what that depth chart looks like. I don't uh, either. I'm looking it up. I'm looking it up right now. I have no idea. Um, Mike Evans, because he's obviously not playing Blaine receiver anymore. Yeah. No. Blaine Gabbard is is right now is QB2. I would love that because that reminds me of what happened. Well, maybe not so much what happened in San Francisco, but when Colin Kaepernick went down with injury, Blaine Gabbard came in and started doing the um, RPO type style of offense and he actually looked really good for half of a season uh i don't think <laughs> that will be blame i mean it's blaine gabbert let's be real everybody um he's Nobody. he's not good neither is james winston for that matter um but i, I don't know if actually didn't was Ari, arians was in arizona when blaine gabbert was there correct I can't verify that. I uh, Jamison Winston's not going anywhere. Nobody's taking over for Jamison Winston, no matter how bad he does. They're not going to stick. They're not going to stick Blaine Gabbard in there and say, "Hey, you could do better than Jamis," because he can't. Yeah. It's not going to happen. It's not like they have. If they still had Fitzpatrick, then this, I think, we'd still be talking about. Or should they? It would be the same thing we had last year, where they're debating two quarterbacks. But they made their decision with Fitzpatrick yep. walking. So, um, to me, it's it's Winston or bust for them. And I think. Uh, if their team sucks, which they very well could, despite the fact that I think he has, I mean, one of the more talented uh, offensive rosters around him besides running back, which even Rojo looked pretty good last week, which I'm not a Rojo guy, but he, I'm not going to uh, bash a guy who ran for, what, 70 yards last week? Yeah, he looked um, really good in the second he, half of that game, by the way. You know, he, he didn't look bad. So you're talking two top 10-plus wide receivers, two mm -hmm. top, top 20 wide receivers, and then... Uh, a top 10 tight end uh, running back, which of course you can replace pretty, pretty quickly in the NFL. Um, I just feel like, man, if Winston doesn't succeed this year, they're going to have, they're going to be dipping into that 2020 class because it, there's no reason for him 
offensively to not be getting it done outside oh. of the fact that like their defense can't stop anyone. Right. I was watching that game and Winston had three, 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 three touchdowns that got called back. And you know, he, he had someone in his face every play. I mean, a guy can only do so much. I mean, he's not, if he actually had a little bit of time and had time to settle and, and it didn't get every call, play called back that, that ended up in a, you know, a first down or a touchdown, I'd give the guy a chance, but this a bad week one. They're going to make some adjustments. I think Jameis will be fine for the rest of the year. Not I'm not talking about QB one fine, but he'll be fine. Like, you know, mid range, uh, maybe high QB two. Well, and I, I can get behind that, but the reason that people, there are de- detractors uh, for Jameis Winston is he does make those boneheaded plays. He did have those two pick sixes. Um, I believe, was it two pick sixes anyway? Uh, so yeah, I mean, yes, he will. He, I mean, we saw what he could do last season. Uh, there were times where he looked fantastic. There were times where he looked terrible um, and he was benched again for Fitzpatrick. But um, I mean, that's, you got to recognize when you picked him this season, that's the type of quarterback he is. He, he's a guy that will explode a lot, some games. And he's a guy who will de, de what is it? Deplode. Is that right? Implode. Deplode. What am I talking about? Implode. Gonna deplode. <laughs> yeah, some games. So, yeah, I, I get it, um, and I I, I agree. I, I think I think it's a it's very much an overreaction. He's not going to get replaced. There's nobody on that team that is going to replace him. If anything, if they do horribly this season, they will draft a quarterback next season. And we're looking at guys like Herbert, um, Jake Fromm, who's not fantastic, uh, obviously Tua, and then there's a, the other kid from Utah State. Is that right? Yeah. Is Ellinger Justin next year? The Texas quarterback? Is it Justin Davis? Not Justin Davis. The like Utah State quarterback. Uh, Peter Howard. No, just Jordan said, Love. Jordan Love. Sorry. Peter Howard just said he had four touchdowns called back. Yeah. He, was, that was an ugly game on both sides of the ball. Like Jimmy Garoppolo, who, I mean, and that's something we can talk about too here, is Jimmy Garoppolo looked terrible. And I think people are starting to see who Jimmy Garoppolo is. He's not, he had a good five week stretch in 2017 where he threw for 1,500 yards and over 1,500 yards in three games. But his, his touchdown interception ratio, I believe, right now is 12 to eight. Mm-hmm. Well, no, he had one interception. So, or he had one touchdown, right? This last week. So it's 13 to eight right now um, with the 49ers. And he just looked lost out there. It's, a, it's yeah. a weird, confusing situation in San Francisco right now because you have Jimmy G, who who looked terrible and has looked terrible this preseason. You have Dante Pettis playing two snaps and his coach. I, I swear to God, he's got to be trolling him because it was, oh, yeah, no, he looked really good on those two snaps that he took. And I was like, what? Yeah. <laughs> like, I, I think the 49ers are going to be a lot worse than a lot of people thought going into the season. Uh, yeah, I had, agree. Uh, Sorry, go ahead, John. That was another situation where he had another Kittle had another cup, another couple touchdowns called back. But I got some things to say later in a di- further down the line segment about Jimmy G. So, all right. Um, we have another question in the chat here. Uh, g- giggity, giggity was offered Sanders <laughs> and OJ Howard for Evans and Singletary. Uh, he he picked up Waller, and so he has another tight end. Is this a good trade? So, I don't, I'm guessing Miles Sanders because of what's on the other side. Um, I'm guessing it's not tight end premium. If it is tight, I mean, if it's not tight end premium, it's the Evans side all day for me. Yeah. But if it is tight end premium, that makes it a lot more interesting. So, maybe if if you can answer that question we can get back to this but if it is tight end premium this changes things a little bit not tight end premium so yeah it's it's definitely the evan side all day for me singletary singletary terry looks to step into a big role he had four only he only had four carries but he took it for 70 yards and i believe he had five or six targets last week so he's the pass catcher there and he looked better than frank gore frank gore is not going to go away but singletary is going to take 
more and more or get more and more touches as the season goes on. And then Mike Evans is a, I mean, arguably a top five wide receiver in dynasty. It's, I mean, it's gotta, I'm, I'm guessing this is dynasty again, but yeah, it's Evans and Singletary for me. And it's not even close because it's not tight end premium. Yeah. I, would say, I would say even if it's not dynasty, I'm still probably taking the Singletary Evans side. Yeah. Just I think you got more upside there. You got a, uh, you know, Evans had a down week this week. That guy's probably tilting a little bit. Um, I think that Evans is going to, he's going to go, he's going to ride and die with, with Jameis Winston. And Winston is going to throw the ball probably in the top, at least the top eight um, of teams around the league. They're going to throw the ball uh, in the top eight as far as just the number of throws that they have every game because they're not going to be winning a whole lot. So, I mean, they're going to be slinging the ball around. Mike Evans is going to have bounce back games. Um, I still think he's uh, you know, a pretty safe top 24 wide receiver, probably top 12. Um, just, you know, like, like, uh, Peter said, you know, we're talking four touchdowns, get called back. If one of those goes to Evans, then you don't even get this trade offered to you. So, uh, to me, uh, tight end is, you can stream tight end in pretty much any league, except for like your super deep dynasty league. So, you know, I think if you've got Waller, you might as well just roll with him for a safe floor and, and take Evans and Singletary and run with it. Perfect. Um, so before I, before we, uh, get into some more of the mail mailbag questions, Ethan, I had brought up Hunter Henry and that injury. Um, you want to discuss what this means for Hunter Henry's outlook this season? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, he's got a tibial plateau fracture, which we, we didn't really hear much about it until literally today. Uh, uh, I think it was Rappaport that came out. Um, or maybe it was Schefter. I'm not sure. One of the two came out and said, hey, he's got this tibial plateau fracture. Um, he had uh, a, a, a play where he got tackled and kind of came off, kind of holding his knees a little bit, um, but we did not realize that this is what what was the the outcome of that until today. So um, tibial plateau fractures are, are – they could be season-ending. I mean, this could be something where we don't see him again this year. The team is optimistic. They're saying four to six weeks. I'm not buying those reports. Um, I just don't think that that's going to be the case. Uh, I think that at, at a minimum, you're looking at six weeks. Uh, this is a fracture, so it takes six weeks for the bone to heal anyway. Um, four weeks is pretty optimistic. So I think you're looking at a uh, six-week recovery minimum. Um, and I think that, t- to me, it's it's a big blow for Henry owners, but you got to hold on to him. I mean – uh, as soon as he comes back, he's already shown that he can be a safe top 12 wide uh, tight end. So I think you got to hold on to him. It sucks, um, but it, it is what it is. It's it's not an injury you want to see. Um, I, I'm going to be watching it closely because uh, these four to six week uh, comments, just they do not jive with what uh, we have seen in the past with this type of injury. Hmm. And I think that, I mean, I've picked up Virgil Green in a few places, but we saw what Virgil Green was last season. Yes, they had Antonio Gates. He steps into a role. You'll get some volume. Uh, I don't know how much how how much value Virgil Green actually has the rest or this season. Um, I think most of this is going to go towards uh, Austin Eckler. I think his usage will get a bump at least for the four to six weeks, if not for the rest of the season. So, uh, I mean, you'd be buying high right now on Austin Eckler, but his value could go higher if you wanted to go after him. Yeah, and I feel like Mike Williams was su- su- supposed to be the big winner um, in this in this <laughs> injury, but he's dealing with his own stuff. He's missing practice with a knee injury, so um, it doesn't even sound uh, like he's going to play in week two either. So I just feel like this is another chalk week for for Eckler. Um, obviously Keenan Allen is going to get his, I think he could easily be in the top five for targets this week, uh, pretty handedly. So, I mean, I think that this is just one of those situations where the guy who's supposed to be winning all this red zone work is hurt too. So, um, again, it's, uh, I, I don't have a problem with starting, you know, Keenan Allen and Eckler, if I'm stacking people in DFS this week, just cause I think from a volume perspective, they're both going to eat. If you're in a one tight end league, you're not even worried about it. Virgil Green's not even in anybody's lineup. You don't need to go fish for him. Just keep whoever you had. You know, I'm, I'm, if Hunter Henry was your only tight end, I guess you're kind of SOL, but there's got to be better options out there than Virgil Green on your waiver wear. 
I yeah, I mean, and it depends. I mean, if it's tight end premium, probably not. But yeah, I mean, if Tyler Higby is out there, I would be picking up Tyler Higby. Um, Dar, uh, oh my God, Blake Jarwin uh, is another one I'd be picking up. But yeah, I mean, if you're desperate, Virgil Green's not a bad pickup. But I think if both Mike Williams and uh, Hunter Henry are out this week, Justin Jackson might be a decent play this week just because maybe they're going to go with uh, two uh, running back sets because we know both of those guys can catch the ball. Uh, Eckler could probably play a few snaps from the slot and be fine. So look out for that as well. He might be a good uh, – Justin Jackson might be a good pivot at this point. Um, let's get to, back to our mailbag. We have another question from Dave at Dave Cyril. Uh, who are some QB stashes who could end up with a starting job this season? I'll start with you, John. Um, this is uh, Daniel Jones, I think, is probably the number one who I would think is probably going to walk into a job either before they're eliminated or when they're eliminated. He's in. It's the end of the Eli Manning era. I think this is his last year. Um, Joe Flacco looked absolutely atrocious the other day. And even when he did hit people, um, guys were dropping the ball or running the, I mean, running the wrong routes or getting tackled without being able to perform after making catches. Uh, and this comes into the Jimmy G situation, Nick Mullins in San Francisco. I think he's got a chance to, uh, uh, Jimmy G is highly overrated as far as I'm concerned. Mm -hmm. I think Nick Mullins is, has a legitimate shot halfway through to at least spell him for a game or two to kind of send him a message. Hey, you got to pick stuff. You got to pick up the slack here, or Nick Mullins might beat him outright. Actually, in my opinion, I, I agree on that Jimmy G one. I mean, I, I, I just, and it, it's not like Nick Mullins outplayed Jimmy G, but I, I feel like Jimmy G's probably been in the league long enough that he's probably got some habits that are hard to break, and Nick Mullins now is. Um, what he's in his second season, right? He was a rookie last year. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So yeah, and and he proved he could. I mean, and that he did really well in his rookie season. And as as a 49er, I, they have very similar stat lines. And so I, I feel like Nick Mullins' ceiling is higher than Jimmy G's at this point. So I, I really like that one. Um, <laughs> I. I, I should add one on here just to piss off both Johns, but um, <laughs> I'm, gonna say I'm just going to say Ryan Tannehill just to piss you guys off. I, I am going to give Marcus Mariota his his due. He looked good on 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 Sunday. Um, I do think he got a little bit of help from Derrick Henry and AJ Brown, but regardless, you got to complete the passes. Um, and he's got better weapons than he's ever had. He had Delaney Walker there too, which is really nice. That's his favorite uh, target in his career. So I'll give Marcus Mariota his due for this week. That's the difference. Yeah, I think this year he's got a, hand, a lot more players around him who actually make plays. Last year he had nothing. Uh, you know, I, I don't want to hear that he couldn't feel his hand. Or, you know, I, I understand it was a bad season. He didn't have much to work with besides Corey Davis. Uh, this year I think there's four or five different options he has, and all those guys are playmakers. Uh, Corey Davis didn't do much this week, as everybody saw, because he was blanketed by one of the league's best cornerbacks. But you can't expect that every week. He's, that's one more option he's going to have for the rest of the season. He's got four or five good tools to work with this year. I think you're just, I'm not expecting three to four touchdowns, no interceptions and, you know, 270 yards every, every week. I get it. That was a pretty good week, but uh, let's, I, I think he's a lot better. I expect a lot better things. I'm, I'm not, Tannehill looked, he looked okay in the practices and stuff, but he, he's not going, he's not coming in anytime soon. Uh, yeah, I agree. I think that they brought in Tannehill too, because it was a team that was a playoff caliber team last year and then Mario got hurt and they were nothing so uh, I think they saw what the Eagles did um, in uh, two years ago with with Foles and said man we really need that guy if we're going to be competing um, for a championship not saying that they are but if they're a playoff caliber team um, they felt like they needed a backup quarterback and he was the cheapest option at the time. The only other guy, I like this list a lot. Um, I've, I have Nick Mullen stashed pretty much every everywhere in Superflex just because despite the fact that I'm sitting about 35 minutes away from where Jimmy G played college football, uh, I do not trust. Um, we, we haven't, he's built up a lot of hype um, and has not produced enough. Uh, I've never seen a quarterback that hasn't produced uh, to the extent that Garoppolo has 
and still gets the hype like he's the top 12 dynasty quarterback. I mean, the guy has already been in the league for, what, five years? So um, I think that they paid him enough money that I don't think Mullins starts, but I I think if this team continues to be bad, Mullins could see some time as a starter. The the, The most obvious answer here is Josh Rosen. And that's because this team is so bad. Uh, the question wasn't who could be a uh, a good starting quarterback. The question was who could be a starting quarterback. And I think Josh Rosen is probably the quickest option. I just don't feel like this Miami team is going to be any better than what we saw this week. Um, so you, they might as well just trot him out there and see what they have. Because if they don't, um, they're going to be sitting, they're going to be going into next year going, well, we have Josh Rosen. We paid, you know, uh, not an expensive price, but we're probably looking at a top five pick in the draft in a draft that has viable quarterback options. So um, I think Josh Rosen is the obvious start. And the one thing I will say about Denver is don't forget that Drew Locke actually ended up on the IR. So oh, that's he, right. is, he is not going to be able to come back until like week eight. So, or actually week nine. So, I, I don't even. You're I don't stuck even with Flacco, John. You're gonna have to deal with it. It's uh, gonna be you and Flacco, ride or die, baby. You're I just gonna have story. to live. I, you know, I don't really blame Flacco for that. He had his issues in the red zone, but that offense just looked. It was doomed from the start when the first play was a reverse for Noah Font, and it lost like mm-hmm. four yards. And I was like, oh, oh, this is like the Super Bowl when they had the <laughs> on the first snap. It was a safety. This is good. Um. So yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't think Locke plays this year. I just don't, I don't think Fangio thinks he's ready, and he's been injured. So I think he's going to get a year of quote unquote seasoning under his belt before he goes out there. Uh, Daniel Jones, I obviously, I think that's a very obvious one. I one that I think is going under the radar is uh, Chad Kelly. Um, yeah, we'll Chad see Kelly. what Brissett. We'll see what Brissett does. Brissett did not look terrible. Uh, he threw, he, he completed 21 of 27 passes for 190 yards and two touchdowns. Wasn't bad. Um, kept or helped keep them in the game. I think Marlon Matt kept them in the game. Um, but Chad Kelly, uh, and, and you're going to hear you, if, if you listen to me, you, you know, I'm a Matt Waldman disciple, but he was Matt Waldman's second best QB coming out. And I believe that was 2016. Yes, because three years yeah, 16. Three no, it was 17. Ago. Sorry, it was 17. Two years ago. It was the Trubisky, um, Deshaun Watson class. And Chad Kelly, was a, he he said, was the second best um, second best QB coming out. He just needed to get his head on his shoulders. Uh, I know us Broncos fans was ho- were hoping that he would be the next starter, starting quarterback for the Broncos before he decided to break into somebody's house and get hit by a vacuum hose. <laughs> Um, but yeah, I, the guy, he's, he's a phenomenal talent. He's just an idiot. And once he gets back from the suspension, which I believe is a two week suspension. Um, and if, if Jacoby Brissett's not cutting it, Chad Kelly could very easily step into that, uh, role. And I think he can thrive there, but, uh, as super duper flex said, big, if I, I don't, I mean, it's, it's a stash. It's more of a super flex stash. And this is a super flex super show after all, um, more of a super flex stash, but yeah, keep that guy in mind as well. Another super flex stash just to kind of throw one in late, but Kyle Allen from Carolina, I'm not sure what's going on with Jameis Winston. He didn't look very well. He wasn't throwing the ball very deep. Um, yeah, and they, Cam, they, Newton. Cam Newton. Yeah. Yeah. You said, you said Jameis. Oh, never mind. Sorry, Cam. Yeah, Cam didn't look very well. He was uh, not throwing the ball anywhere. What he—he's not—he's like a shell of almost what he used to be. I—I I don't know if they're gonna let him go a couple more weeks and then shut him down, or if they're gonna let him play like this the rest of the season without running, not throwing deep passes. He's not the Cam that won the MVP by any means anymore. Mind you, this was playing against the Los Angeles Rams, which has a very good secondary. Um, that. I, I don't know. I, I think you're right. They they gotta we gotta wait a couple weeks to see what he actually looks like, um, and maybe maybe uh, Ethan can shine a little light here. But that game was weird because Jared Goff threw for forty some odd um, attempts and only and had under two hundred yards. And I'm trying to look up the stats here. Um, 
and then Cam did the same thing. And it, it, it was just a wacky game. And it and this is why we can't react to week one. Yeah. But Ethan, can you shed some light on that shoulder? I mean, the shoulder should be fine. Uh, the shoulder, the the surgery that he had was just a scope. Um, and everything, uh, something was wrong with his shoulder at the end of last year. There is no question about that. You don't have to be a doctor to know um, that Cam's shoulder was screwed up. I mean, my little brother, who's 12, could look at him and watch him and go, man, his shoulder doesn't look right because uh, he was throwing ducks out there. But uh, he had a scope. He, everything since the scope says that it wasn't as bad as what they thought it was. Um, he did not get much of a preseason because uh, he had this foot injury as well. Is the foot injury causing him not to throw the ball deep? I don't know. He actually joked about not um, not opening up and throwing the ball deep uh, after that game because Christian McCaffrey was just lighting him up, so they didn't have any need to. But um, obviously, uh, I think the defense let him down more than Cam did. Uh, for fantasy, we want Cam to be 100% healthy and throwing the ball all over the place. But I just don't know if that's what they want this offense to be. I really feel like with the weapons that they've surrounded him with, it's a lot of crossing routes, a lot of uh, short guys, yards out of the catch, after the catch. And I just don't know if that's going to be um, – I don't know if that's going to be effective to start this season. Uh, the other thing is I don't think we got a full – um, Cam rushing game. Uh, I think he's still dealing with a bit of a foot sprain that he got in this preseason. And if he's not giving you that rushing floor, Cam is not uh, the throwing quarterback that a guy like Lamar Jackson is. Uh, he, he he really relies on giving you that rushing production too. And now that Chris McCaffrey has shown that he can run between the tackles, around the tackles, over the tackles, through the tackles, Cam doesn't have to be that guy in the red zone. So, uh, you know, I think Cam's probably down for a, a, a lower year because he, he's trying to protect himself now. Now he's looking at uh, longevity as opposed to just being Superman. So, sure. you know, I think there's a lot that goes into this Cam thing, but his shoulder should be fine. But, of course, right. I don't know anything because I don't know. I don't get a look at his shoulder. So as far as I know, his shoulder You're, should be fine. Why aren't you Dr. Chow? Can you be Dr. Chow? <laughs> I could call him. Can you can you actually call him? I could, but I doubt he would answer. It's uh, actually he might, but I I don't know if that would be a good idea. He probably wouldn't appreciate it if I called him uh, while I was live on a podcast. That'd be I I that would, that would be, be kind awesome. of that would one, be kind of rude. I try to keep those relationships good and tight. So one one day one day will be that that good. Um, I hope all right, so. we have a we have another uh, listener question in the chat from our friend Oklahoma Dougie. Uh, AP or Breda this week? I go AP. I go AP. Um, I don't like it. Um, I think Breda could. Uh, I just trust Adrian Peterson to get more volume at this point. Um, I think Mostert has a bigger role than what people expect him to. And to me, Breda is a constant injury risk, and Adrian Peterson is the safer of the two. So I'm risk averse. I'm going with the safer guy. Yeah, but Breda being an injury risk, he still plays through them. Unlike the time, he's a freak. I don't, dude. I don't <laughs> understand it. But you could miss. Uh, you know, you're talking about a guy that's that could only play two quarters of the game. So, um, I again, I I don't know. I'd still lean Adrian Peterson. I'm going Matt Breda this week uh, against Cincinnati. I they're they're horrible defense. Um, I think Breda is gonna. You, I. I Adrian Peterson does has no no involvement whatsoever in the passing game, zero. So I think him and Chris Thompson are going to be like almost like a 50-50 split in this game with a couple runnings, couple couple passes, uh, and they're playing Dallas defense, which isn't that bad. So I'll go Brita. I, I agree with that. Um, I, I'm taking the chance on high upside versus volume here. Uh, Brita, like John said, plays the Bengals who have an atrocious defense, both running and passing. Like they're – they're not going to stop anybody, which is why I think Andy Dalton is going to be a top 12 quarterback, but that's not the point here. AP, like, like John also said, plays Dallas. They're going to be down big early. Probably there's no way case Keenum keeps up what he did uh, in week one. And I think Dak Prescott's going to just light them up. And so th what that means is that they're going to be throwing more. Uh, Chris Thompson is more involved in the, or is, is the pass catching back there. Adrian Peterson's not really involved there. 
Um, I get it because of injury history, but I would rather take the chance on the upside with Breda. Ooh, here's a good question. <laughs> Peter, Peter's now just toying with us in the chat. I can, saw that. I don't know. <laughs> can dogs look up? Yeah, obviously. Duh, Peter. Uh, and then he also asked, does AB play this week and how does it go if so? I don't think he was on a slate to play this week anyway. I don't I don't think uh, they had him penciled in for week two. That's a tough playbook to learn. Um, he's coming off a lot of a lot of press situations and the latest allegations, even though people are saying they may be extortion, they may be so-and-so it's still a serious situation. And Roger, I mean, people have brought up the situation where Roger Goodell could put him in an exemplist until they figure out what's going on here. So I don't think he plays this week. I think they're going to wait till all this stuff figures out till he's comfortable with the playbook and then, uh, and then bring him back. I'm not, I think he's not going to be in the lineup until uh, week three, week four, probably. I, I, I agree with that. I, I would not be surprised to see him go on the commissioner's exempt list actually because of this latest stuff. Um, regardless, I don't know. I don't think he plays like, like John said, the, this playbook is just super difficult to learn. Um, and they have, I mean, it's Miami, it's the Miami dolphins. They don't need a B they have Josh Gordon. They have Edelman. They have 15 running backs that they can look to. Like they just don't need a B this week. No offense, John. <laughs> yeah, I don't think he plays either. Um, but if he does, I could see them, even though he doesn't have a lot of uh, time with the playbook, arguably he could have had the playbook this whole time. Uh, if if you believe the rumors that this was all big uh, ploy by him and the Patriots to get him off of the Raiders. I'm not buying it, but uh, I do think that if he does play, I could see a situation where uh, Brady feeds him and throws him a ton of passes just to get him used to the offense, just to get him used to catching a football again, because it seems like we haven't seen him practice or do anything. Um, but I, I don't expect him to play. Um, I don't know if I would feel good if he if he plays anyway, just because it, you're really relying on that situation that I just described, which is basically Tom Brady going, we have to get A.B. involved so that he feels like he's a part of this team. Um, and I, I think that's taking a big, big risk. I just feel like this is this is Sony Michelle game to me. Um, this is a game where he's probably going to rush for, you know, 20 times and just wear him down and he's going to have a big game. So I think, again, this is this is not the game script doesn't yeah. uh, dictate that they're going to have to throw the ball 40 times. So I just don't think that I don't think he's a good play. I don't want to turn this into Peter Howard show, even though I love the guy to death. But he said, should we relegate Miami to the college level for a while? I think if Alabama came to Miami and tried and played a game, even if Miami went to Alabama to play, it would be a 47 to nothing game. I mean, even with the Dolphins' horrible roster, it would still roll up a college football team. Yeah, this is this is every season. It's like, oh, is this could a college team? No, get out of here. They're in the NFL. Get out of here. Um, we're running a little long here, but I want to get through one more question, and then I want to talk about start sits for Thursday. Um, so we have a question from Matt Spencer at M A A T Spencer. What are your thoughts on the Jaguars chances at staying competitive and winning the division with Gardner Minshew at the helm? Well, that's, uh, I, the Vegas odds for Jacksonville were 20 plus 2,500. Um, now with Minshew at quarterback, they're plus 6,000. So that tells you since the Foles injury, uh, where they've gone. So that's right now they're, pegged to be to finish third in that division and um that's uh, i indy took a step back losing their quarterback too but um houston and houston is the odds on favor for winning this division i think by by a long shot um tennessee if they can squeak out a couple games and uh magic mariota keeps up his his awesome <laughs> but uh that's right i think anyway i'm not sure or they could just throw a rookie quarterback in there expect him to you know to after a couple coaches get films on them, get the film on them and, and, and see how Minshew reacts to different defenses, different pressures. Uh, you know, he's not going to walk. He's not going to have those, that easy game like he had, a sim, seemingly, seemingly easy game like he had last week. Yeah, I agree. I just don't, I just don't see them. I don't think see them winning the division, even if Foles comes back um, quickly. Uh, I think Foles, I can't remember exactly, but I feel like Foles, ended up on the IR with his, uh, with his shoulder injury. He had a broken clavicle, had surgery. So you're looking at six to eight weeks. Um, can, 
Minshew keep them at 500, assuming everyone else in the division stays pretty close to 500? Um, even if Foles comes back, are they that much better to win the division? Probably not. Um, I think he gives them a chance to not lose uh, as badly as they would have before, but I just don't feel like uh, I, I feel, feel like what Sam said is right on the money. As soon as defenses figure this out, it's not like he has a Lamar Jackson level of athleticism um, or even a Josh Allen level of athleticism. Once once these NFL coaches get a look at his film, they're going to know how to pick him apart, and it's it's not going to look like what it looked like this week. I will say this team is not. It's not as as hurt by a QB injury as a lot of teams because it's built around defense. It's built around running the ball. I do think John Filippo was going to throw the ball a lot more with, with um, Foles, but I think they'll run the ball a little bit more. Um, yes, you can't, we can't really, really react to Minshew and his 88% completion percentage, two touchdowns, 275 yards because it was Kansas City, and Kansas City's defense is not good. We will see what he looks like against a real defense uh, when he like faces Tennessee, for instance. Um, but I don't think they're as hurt as Vegas says they are, as a lot of people were reacting. I don't think Minshew's as good as he was, obviously, on week one. Um, I think if, the, if Leonard Fournette stays healthy and that defense returns to 2017 levels, I think they have a chance to get in a wild card. But it's a long shot at this point. Because regardless, you generally do need good quarterback play. And he is a rookie, and he is going to be exposed at points. So while I don't think it's that bad of a thing, I also think that it definitely hurts their chances to get in the playoffs. All right, so that was the final question from our listeners and our Twitter threads. So I wanted to talk about, because our start sits – um, won't come out until Friday. I wanted to talk about Thursday games and some start sets that maybe you guys have um, this week. And it's the Buccaneers at the Panthers. Um, two good offenses we on paper that we th- we thought on paper that did not look great last week. Do you do they bounce back on Thursday night, or is it going to be another sloppy game like Chicago and Green Bay? And who do you think sh- you should be starting on Thursday night? Um, for those who have these players. Ethan, why don't we start with you? Yeah, I think, well, you got the guys that you have to start. So you're, you're going to have to start most likely Cam. You probably drafted him to be your quarterback. I think he, I think he's going to have a bounce back game here against a, a pretty bad Buccaneers team. You have to start DJ Moore. I think that he showed last week that he's pretty clear cut, uh, the wide receiver one for this team. Chris McCaffrey is an auto start. You don't even think about starting him. Um, one guy I would not be playing uh, from from the uh, Panther side is Greg Olson. <coughs> Sorry, he's been, he's been dealing with an injury all week, has not been practicing. He's kind of a game time decision. I just don't trust them to uh, roll him out for a full set of snaps. Uh, Thursday night game with no practice. Uh, very likely that he misses this game due to this back injury. So uh, Greg Olson's sitting for me regardless. Um, on, on the Buck side, you got to start your studs. So you're going to start Godwin. You're going to start Evans. Um, I think that Winston is startable if in a, in a Superflex league. Uh, I don't necessarily think that he is a, a good option against the, a, a, an okay but not great uh, a Panthers defense. Um, I just don't know if he's going to uh, really produce at the level that you would hope to. But you never know. He could drop 500 yards and four touchdowns because that's what Jameis Winston does. So, um, Rojo, I'm not as thrilled about starting. I want to see one more week of him being the guy. So, um, besides that, I think uh, O.J. Howard is another guy that I think you kind of have to start because of where you drafted him. Um, Don't necessarily know if this is a great matchup, but uh, those are the guys that I'm kind of starting. Really, it's just kind of – it's still week two. It's still week two. Start your studs. You nailed it. I, I really don't have much to add to that because you nailed every aspect of both the whole game. So, <laughs> good job. Sorry about that. I should have I should have just taken one of those teams. That's my <laughs> fault. It's all right. I Yeah, I completely agree. I mean, uh, I don't think there's anybody else that it's like a borderline. I mean, Rojo's kind of the only one that's kind of like, well, maybe, maybe not. It seems like – 
Peyton Arians wants to give Peyton Barber one more shot, but he's going to go with hot hand anyway. Rojo looked good the second half of of uh, this last game, and I mean, if if you don't have any better options, maybe he's a good flex option this week. But you're not, you're not going to sit Mike Evans. You're yeah. you're not going to sit Chris Godwin. You're not going to sit DJ Moore. You're not going to sit any. You know, so it's just uh, you what know. About Curtis Samuel. What do you guys think about him? <sighs> Because he's the only other guy to me besides Rojo that's like kind of on the border. Maybe, maybe you start him. Uh, I still don't think he's startable outside of a flex. But um, as far as guys that could be fantasy relevant, I guess. Well, talk about sit starts. Who would you start over him? Or do you give me an option? Like, if I was to start somebody else this week, well, would I leave Samuel out for? Um, let's talk Corey Davis, D.D. Westbrook. Would you start him over D.D. Westbrook? Um, no, I, I – well, I don't know who <laughs> – I say that, and then I'm like, wait, who do they play? Uh, they play the Texans. They so, play Houston. No, I would not. I, I I think they're pretty close to the same. I mean, Tampa Bay's defense is probably um, – Houston's not really uh, – not a, a juggernaut defense either right now with losing Clowney and – uh, you know, not having J.J. Watt not producing. So I don't know what uh, – I think I would probably do Samuel instead of D.D. Westbrook. All right. A couple more questions before we end this. Uh, FF Trader Joe is Dijon Jackson a rubber stamp start this week? Uh, I don't know who the Eagles have. They have the Falcons. Do you think D- Dejon Jackson is a must start for their, against the Falcons this week for the Eagles? Yes, because he had ten targets last week. I mean, uh, the the volume that he's getting is just uh, you know if that continues with the 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 distance down the field that he's getting the ball thrown to, he doesn't need to have this you know massive one hundred and fifty four yard game. Uh, with the two touchdowns, he only needs one play. So I think that he's he's a pretty locked in starter for me, uh, just because they showed that that he's the guy that they're going to use the most. And if that's the guy that Wentz trusts, that's the guy that I want starting for my team. Yeah, if he's going to have four catches for, I mean, he averages what probably twelve to fifteen yards a catch. That's, I mean, I I'm, I don't I think he's not like a a boom. I wouldn't call him like a boom player or a bus player, but he, he just has three or four electric plays every game, and it's hard to sit him, even though it, he's – I don't think he's ever aggravating. I don't think I've ever had a game where Deshaun Jackson just, you know, crapped the bed. But he's a guaranteed probably, you know, eight to 12 fantasy points every week almost. He's one of those guys. Uh, fair enough. Uh, yeah, I just – it seems like Carson Wentz hasn't had this type of player before. Uh and now he does, and he's using him. So until he busts and becomes the actual <laughs> strains or does something, yeah, with his body. until he does the John Jackson thing, you have to start him, I think. And then final question from our our listeners here: Do you do you think Deion Kane's a good option with Devin Funchess out for the Colts? I hate this because I saved. I've been holding on to Deion Kane for a year and a half now, and I finally cut him. And <laughs> <laughs> and I was going to start. It's like, ah, okay. it's the way it's just my luck. Um, I don't think, I think he's in for maybe 30 yards, you know, 35 yards this week. I don't think he's anything special, even with punches out. So, but yeah, I, I, I love Deion Kane. Um, and I'm going to mention Matt Waldman again, but he compared him to uh, Devonte Adams, early career Devonte Adams, just in terms of what they can do. Um, so, but he's going up against the Titans. I think it's going to be relatively low scoring. The Titans' defense is very good, um, so I I wouldn't be trusting uh, Deion Kane here. Um, I would think that Naheem Hines gets more play uh, with Funchess out. Um, maybe Eric Ebron as well. But yeah, definitely wait on Deion Kane. Yeah. Yeah, I don't have anything else to add. Um, I don't trust any pass catchers outside of T.Y. Hilton there you go. with with Jacoby Brissett starting. So I, I trust it, Jack Doyle. He just needs to get in there and be. <laughs> <out>. <laughs> yeah, I mean, 
I guess because Jacoby loves him, but I, I still think that Ebron is going to get some red zone work over Doyle. So uh, to to me, it's it's Ty Hilton or bust for that team. And then the even key, though I like Deion Kane, I do too. Uh, and the <laughs> the questions keep rolling in here. Super duper flex. Sorry, Dougie. That Deion Kane question was from Oklahoma Dougie. Super duper flex. Hawkinson. Would you trade Hawkinson for Harry? In a dynasty? Absolutely not. <laughs> no. No. Absolutely not. No, 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 no. Listen, I, I top five I, tight ends are, are the biggest yeah. cheat code in fantasy football right now. So and, and it's hard to it's hard to um <laughs> um it's hard to compare to Rob Gronkowski, but it seems like Matt Patricia is trying to build the New England Patriots in Detroit. And that means that he's going to use TJ Hawkinson like they use Rob Gronkowski. And you saw what he can do given the volume. And I think that's going to continue going forward. He's eventually going to be a top, probably a top five tight end at this point. Um, I think he's already oh, right this super second. Super duper, flex, super duper flex is saying he would get Hawkinson. Yeah, you take Hawkinson. So yeah, that's the gist of this. And I think TJ, I think that Hawkinson right this minute is a top 10 dynasty tight end. And by the end of this year, he's going to be a top five dynasty tight end because he's that much younger than the top options. So yep. to me, it's it's a no-brainer. You you take Hawkinson and you build your wide receivers through the drafts as you go. 2020 is a great wide receiver class that's going to get pushed down because it's also a pretty good uh quarterback and running back class. So you might be able to get a Jerry Judy at the end of the first round in a dynasty league. You take Hawkinson now and you ride him for the next 10 years. And you're just super thrilled with that because tight end is easily the hardest position I think in dynasty to fill week to week. Um, so I am big on you. You, I, that's why I have Hawkinson everywhere and a lot of fan too, because to me, uh, if you can lock in a top five tight end, you're set and it gives you so much more flexibility going forward. So yes, absolutely. Take Hawkinson. Awesome. So we ran a little bit long, but we got a bunch of questions. Thanks for everybody for tuning in. That will be it for us this week. We will be doing this every week. It'll probably be different hosts every week as well. Um, but be sure to, uh, stay tuned for our start set episodes on Friday and Saturday for the NFC and the AFC. Uh, and also be sure to follow your hosts. I'm at FF. I'm at F Stompy. Ethan is at E Turner FF underscore PT. And John McGlynn is at John McGlynn 75. Yours is a lot easier than Ethan's. <laughs> Sorry, uh, man. I'm going to drop the, the underscore and I think that's going to make it easier. And uh, also be able, uh, be sure to um, subscribe to the Superflex Super Show uh, podcast. Um, we will be doing this five. We will be doing episodes five times a week. Like I said, Monday will be waivers. Uh, Tuesday is more of a, a, a our normal uh, three man podcast. Again, Wednesdays is our live show. Thursdays is our start sits for. Um, NFC, or I guess it would be Friday, and Friday is our start sets for NFC, and Saturday is our start sets for AFC. So be sure to tune in for those. We'll be helping you all, uh, all season long. So hopefully we will catch you next time. Bye, guys. Bye. See you guys.